Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The Star Guys, a podcast about Stargirl on DC Universe and the CW. I am merely a Star Guy. That is all I am. I am Alex. I am Justin, also a Star Guy. <laughs> and unfortunately, our third Star Guy, Pete, is off this week. He's off for this episode, which is a real bummer because I think this is all he's wanted to talk about the entire time, right? Huge. I mean, the creepy janitor and heavy Mikey episode. For God's mm-hmm. sakes, it's a. I can't believe he's not here for this one. The only. But it thing is, is his birthday, and yes. he's uh, probably having a cheesesteak infused nap right now. <laughs> I think what he's probably doing is he's staring at the present at the top of his closet, being like, "What's inside of it? What's inside of it?" Forgetting that he bought the present himself. Um, That's right. But, you know, it's all right. Well, and we should say also Pete has been saying that his real father is Pete Man um, for the whole time <laughs> and that he is, is Pete Boy, obviously. Um, and I, we hate to break it to him, but it's just not true. Yeah, I've been I've been telling to him the entire time that his father is just a piece of trash. <laughs> you you do say that trash. a lot. You say that a lot <laughs> yeah. to him and to everyone, really. <laughs> it's just that my dad is stronger, but it's no big deal. Uh, let's yeah. get into the recap portion of what has happened previously on Stargirl, because a lot is going into this episode. We are very much entering the end game here. I believe, if yeah. I have my count correct, there's this episode, and then there's the two-part finale, Stars and Stripe, following up on this. We're going to wrap up everything with a neat little bow, I'm sure, for the end of this yes. season. But With a little tag thing- at the end to get us ready. For season two. Yeah, there you go. Uh, So the big thing that you actually need to go going into this episode, which is called Shining Night, is that there is a character called Sir Justin. He was the uh, you must have liked this a lot. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there's not a lot of superheroes named Justin. And it's great that someone is uh, goofy and fucked up as uh, Sir Justin, the Shining Knight. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So he was the leader of the Seven Soldiers of Victory back in the day, a super team, which I I should mention, we got the details a little bit wrong on our bonus podcast. Uh, They came after the JSA and were sort of the dregs. They were the leftover characters that warranted the JSA before they booted up the Justice League. A listener wrote us in and helpfully explained that to me uh, that we were wrong. Uh, But... In this continuity, Seven Soldiers of Victory were first. They came first. They included Starman. They included Stripesy, also known as Pat Dugan, who we'll get back to in a second. Um, but they all went their separate ways. We haven't seen them in a while. Um, last we know, they tangled with a villain named Dragon King, who is a crazy scientist named Dr. Shiro Ito, who seems to potentially be immortal and has taken up residence in Blue Valley, Nebraska. Also in Blue Valley, Nebraska, is the rest of the Injustice Society of America, a team of villains that include a guy named Icicle, a.k.a. Jordan Ma Kent, uh, who killed 
many members of the Justice Society of America years earlier, back in the day. So bad news for them. The only one really left alive was Stripesy, who decided to look out for vengeance. He wanted to track down the ISA, find out what's going on with him. He tracked them to Blue Valley, and it turns out they have a big plan to basically brainwash America to make a new America of their liking that... uh, I mean, depending on who you talk to, it's either a good thing in terms of like, hey, we're going to bring it back to core American values or a bad thing in terms of they're brainwashing everybody. Key to their plan. Wow, what a, what a way to stride the line there, Alex. Well, <laughs> I, we, we talked about this on the- <laughs> I mean, you know, if somebody could come in and bring America back to its core values, like somebody could make it like really great again, I think that would be nice. You know, like I think we could all agree. Wow. Are you in an area that has already been brainwashed? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Well, uh, key to the brainwashing is Brainwave, a member of the ISA. Brainwave was in a coma for a while, got out of a coma got his powers back, got his memories back, and proceeded to kill his son in front of the Young Justice Society of America, a new generation of heroes who have taken up the mantle of the old heroes. Uh, This is pretty bad, and it was pretty emotional the last episode. Uh, It was affected each of the characters in very different ways. Uh, For Courtney Whitmore, a.k.a. Stargirl, sent her on a spiral as we see this episode, mainly because she... Uh, has now let two people down, including a guy, kid named Joey Zarek, who was a magician we saw briefly who died on a bridge, uh, but also um, this kid, Henry King, a.k.a. Brainwave Jr., who died. Yolanda Montez, his ex-girlfriend, is a young wildcat. She is also emotionally destroyed by it. And the other members of the JSA that you probably need to know about, Rick Tyler, a.k.a. Hour Man. He has a power of hour where he can slam as many beers as he wants. It's Power very Hour Man, Ah, he's a, so fun. Such a great power. Because it's hard. My, it, seems, it seems like not mm-hmm. a lot because it's just a shot. But it actually, mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it, but it adds up. <laughs> it does. By They haven't introduced him yet, but I'm excited. Maybe in season two they're going to introduce a sidekick pub crawler. And that should be very cool. Mm. Uh, the, and I believe uh, they're facing their, their greatest villain, Boot and Rally. <laughs> uh, and then the other character is Dr. Midnight, a.k.a. Beth Chapel. Uh, she has some super smart goggles that she uses to find out information. Um, there's other stuff that you probably need to know. Oh, yeah, there's a character called Mikey. He likes to eat everything. He is mm. uh, basically his father, Pat Dugan's uh, goofy drinking buddy, I guess, is probably what we can call him. As I said on the last podcast, I believe eventually Mikey will replace Pat as the father and Pat will become the child. Um, that's my theory. And I also have a second conspiracy theory I've been really researching that Don Rickles' ghost has inhabited Mikey and is uh, bada-binging and bada-booming his way uh, through this series. Man, it is out of control, this episode in particular. So let's uh, – there's more things yeah. that you probably need to know, but let's jump into it. Oh, actually, probably the biggest thing is that uh, Barbara, Courtney's mom, worried about Courtney after finding out that she was Stargirl, wrote her real dad, Sam Curtis, over email, uh, and he responded at the end of the episode. Uh, that's not exactly where we pick up. Where we pick up is Janitor Justin is at a farm looking at some horses – one, this is a wild scene to open up the episode. This is a crazy scene to start this episode, or anything with. 
Um, yeah. But like, where do you put the, you can't put the scene in the middle of the episode because that's even crazier. So I guess they had to like this beautiful shot of this field. And then you got creepy janitor just like wandering around with, I want to say the line of the season. I think he kicks us off with here. I'm looking for a gallant white steed, fire in its eyes and victory in its heart. <laughs> that was pretty good. I, not to jump ahead and kind of talk about this plot line as a whole, I was very surprised the arc this episode went on. You know, it felt like the sort of thing, like you start off with this horse scene, the episode is called Shining Night. I expected that we'd get, oh, Sir Justin gets his memory back by the end. He gets his horse. That's the thing that, you know, causes him to remember everything and become his heroic self again. But I, I as... As much as it threw me that they didn't do that by the end, just in terms of where we started, I like the fact that there's that twist there that really the shining knight of the title is Courtney, not Justin yes. by the end of the episode. I, th- I thought that was good. I agree. Because I, I was like, the fact that this episode was going to revolve so much about shining knight was confusing to me because is he a member of the our young JSA? It feels weird if it's like creepy old janitor with a sword and then a bunch of kids <laughs> running around. <laughs> Um, so I, I agree with you. The, the turn here to have it be about Shining Knight giving her the title of Shining Knight in a way I thought was really cool. And ultimately, and again, this is very much jumping ahead through his plot line through the episode. I think what he is there for is to give that final piece of information. Pat needs to understand the plan that the ISA is doing, which is that they're brainwashing people. We also get the key information that when Braywave brainwashes people, they don't come back the same way, which is clearly exactly what happened to Shining Knight. So it's interesting how it's not really Justin's storyline. It's Courtney's storyline and also Jordan's storyline because it started to make him realize wait a second, if we go through this, this is maybe not going to work out the way I think. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, too. And I mean, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but the way they sort of – Icicle's been this sort of big bad throughout this uh, the show so far, and then Brainwave sort of flip-flops that in this episode and becomes sort of the, 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 more, the most evil villain, I think, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Which I also is, want to say in the oh, opening God. sequence, um, uh, real quick, uh, I was on the farmer's side here. If a random dude mm-hmm. came up and was like, hey, man, you got a horse with fire? I I would be with the <laughs> farmer here and be like, hey, man, get out of here with this weird shit. Uh, I mean, unless, of course, you have a couple of fire horses that you have ready to sell. In that case, like, you know, get them out there. True. That, that's a good call. Um, and let me ask you, where do you think um, uh, the horse is? Um, probably in his hat <laughs> or dead. Oh, nice. Because it's been a while. I don't know. It's been a couple of decades. The timeline's a little shaky. True. I guess brainwashing a horse. Do you think Brainwave brainwashed the horse into being mm-hmm. like another animal? Horse wave? Okay. Probably. Horse wave. <laughs> horse wave. <laughs> Brainwave's horse for some reason. By the way, did and you also, think, do you think uh, that, do you think we're in, okay. oh, go ahead. Oh, all I was going to say is, did you think, I wrote this down as a note, it looked like Justin's beard was more kempt this episode. Like, I feel like maybe he was wearing a fake beard the first couple of episodes and then he grew it out. And now he has a nice, Mm. like, kind of shaved down beard. I don't know if you. I didn't notice his beard management as much as you, I guess. Um, Mm. But uh, I guess maybe he's like, the crazier he gets, the more kempt his beard gets. 
maybe, or the closer to sanity. I guess that's true. I guess that's yes, true. The opposite. Um, and let me ask you this: uh, There's Instead, also a nice little. The, oh, you were going to say. If the horse isn't going to come back, do you think we'll get a save a, save a horse, ride a cowboy situation for uh, Sir Justin? I think he'll load the JSA onto the horse. It's one of those magical horses that becomes longer to accommodate everybody, like a stretch limo. Uh, uh, so, yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Party Yeah, you, you rode in a magical stretch limo to your prom. Mm-hmm. It was horse-themed. <laughs> cool. So last little thing we get is we get a cute little uh, he falls down. The farmer changes away. He sees a windmill, which is very Don Quixote. Uh, and mm-hmm. then he starts to remember the cosmic staff. That seems to be the thing that is cluing him in. Oh, we shouldn't skip by this. Uh, he he no. pictures <laughs> Stripesy in the sky waving to him to be like, come on. So that was so crazy. <laughs> yes. And honestly, it's a crazy again that Pete's not here because this is a very Pete thing to imagine. Luke Wilson in the mm-hmm. sky being like, come on, man, let's all hang out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, that was uh, I don't I didn't even know what to think of that. Exactly. Like that was maybe a step too far, but maybe just the right amount of step. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not prepared yeah. to make that call at this time. Yes, it was unsettling, if nothing else. Yes. Uh, and then uh, the big reveal happens. Well, not exactly, but Bus comes into town. We see just the back of the dude. So you're thinking, is it Joel McHale? Is it Starman coming back to town? What's going on? He has the locket, same as Courtney. He's taking Western budget bus lines, and he approaches Stargirl's house, cut to title. That's what we're left with right before the title sequence. Uh, and then we pick up kind of where we left off, or rather with everybody reeling after the events of the last episode. And one thing that I really like here, we got a hint of it the last episode, but they sort of skip by the whole Barbara being doubtful about everything at this point, and she's just yeah. like, she is in it. She's on I the team. It. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was great. Uh, that said, that does leave Mikey out of the team. Um, yeah. They're <laughs> completely. Uh, and they're talking about this a little bit. Pat finally being very forceful, being like, listen, you need to take Courtney. You need to leave town. Uh, I think he also is like, oh, yeah, and take Mike as well, I guess. <laughs> Talk about an, just an ad, add-on, a real sidecar yeah. to the whole situation. Like, hey, take Mikey. I don't know. I got nothing to do with him. He's a 65-year-old kid. Yeah, he's had his time. He's lived a a full life. (laughs) And almost here, and yeah, put him out to pasture. Take him up to the farm. Uh, Leave him. Uh, He comes in and is like, hey, my paper route. Bada bing, bada boom. Not my idea. There's, uh, There's a lot of stuff that happens before school. Now, I know you have kids. I have kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Your kids, do they do they go to preschool yet or not? Uh, yes. Um, the older, my older daughter has gone to preschool for the last okay. year. Okay. So, you know, there's like, there's a lot of stuff you need to do in the morning before you get to school. And the fact that everybody is up before seven, Mikey's already done his paper route. Then Courtney chats with her dad, takes a walk, goes to breakfast, comes back. That's crazy. That is too much stuff to happen before school. Yeah, um, they get up very early, or maybe this is sort of a situation like uh, like on Alaska where the sun never really sets at certain times in the year. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's yeah. um, that's a uni- a thing about this universe we don't know, or it's Nebraska, Nebraska, Alaska, 
think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, you can really draw a line between those, and they're pretty close together geographically. I think I'm not looking at a map at the moment, but yeah, it tracks. Yeah, I uh, think so. So at that point, the doorbell rings, and they're like, "Whoa, who could it be before seven? And it turns out it's Courtney's real dad, Sam Curtis, who is not Joel McHale at all. What did you think about this reveal? We've had a lot of speculation in which direction they go. Ultimately, he turns out to be a no account dude. And that's pretty much it. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, I this is what I sort of thought was going to happen. Um, and it played out uh, exactly uh, exactly as I thought, which makes a lot of sense. Like, Courtney doubts that this guy's her dad and has a hard time coming around. And then does in a sort of a sweet way. Um, and then, I mean, I guess this is sort of a... We could just talk about this all at once, I guess. Um, maybe... And it turns out he's like a sort of a scumbag trying who doesn't have a lot of money, a grifter, a very good looking grifter. I will very, say. very hunky. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like he could take Joel McHale in a fight, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. No cosmic staff or not. He could fight him. Yeah. Just in a, like a, a walk off, a fashion style walk off. I was surprised how much of a con he was pulling here for something that seemed relatively unimportant, you know? The way that the plot line plays out is he comes there, he says he just wants to bond with Courtney. He was worried because Barbara came back to Blue Valley. She never liked Blue Valley. So he says, can I take you out to breakfast? Takes her out to breakfast, says, hey, maybe you could come hang out with me in Los Angeles sometime to Courtney. Uh, She likes that. They both get a waffle with strawberry jam. Yes, which is a weird order. And also, when he orders the same as her, I was like, this is obviously, it was just such a weird moment. Like, yeah. As if he was being like, we are the same. We like this one dish. Mm-hmm. They probably should have ordered a banana split, like the last banana split that they had for breakfast. Yes. Mm, yeah, exactly. This is a uh, 6.45 a.m. breakfast getting together for uh, <laughs> just a little waffle. I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to order a banana split, though, I've already established on the podcast, that is a lot of food. That's a lot of ice cream. Start in the morning. Give yourself all day to just kind of whittle away at the banana split. That's much more reasonable than ordering at the end of the day. Too much food, then. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's Sunday. It's a day to whittle away on a banana split, to quote you. <laughs> whittle away on a banana split. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm just picturing a little wood carver just shaving down the bananas, yeah. shaving down the ice cream, getting them. Nice well, I've been working on like his banana maybe. split here for nigh on a week. Uh, so let's uh, well let's uh, let's kind of round up the storyline there though with Sam Curtis. Uh, he. Uh, uh, they order the same waffle, and then they get back to the house, and he's like, "Hey, do you still have that locket?" I have that locket, too. Oh, isn't that interesting? You know, these are actually part of a matching set. Oh, they're actually very antique. They're worth a lot of money. Hey, if you gave me your locket, uh, I could probably afford an apartment you could stay at because I'm kind of in a shithole right now. Doesn't use that word because it's on the CW. Uh, And I really liked how Breck Bassinger played these moments. Like, it was very... Subtle, her realizing just her face falling ever so slightly, but trying not to let Sam Curtis know that she knows that he's a scumbag. Going back into the house, Pat saying, Whatever you need, you can scream at me, you can yell at me, and just her letting go, sobbing, and giving him a hug. 
it brings all of these emotional beats over the course of the entire season together really, really nicely. Yeah, I agree. And to have um, when Courtney and Pat, when Courtney cries to Pat and he hugs her and Barbara watches, I think that's such a nice way to tie up the their relationship problems as well. Like she doesn't trust Pat because he lied to her so much and didn't tell her what his life was really like. But he sees how important Pat is to Courtney and that helps her show helps show her that this is the right guy for her maybe i thought that was really well done yeah and also mikey is around somewhere uh just feeling kind of dejected which is hilarious well when we going back to sort of earlier in the episode mikey comes in is like hey mikey here a character in your family did i miss a meeting was where's mikey's (laughs) spot in all this i just delivered one newspaper and came back yeah, uh, but, you know, he'll figure out his place, particularly as he's going to be killed next episode, uh, which we'll get into in a moment. But wow, hell of a prediction. I mean, that is, yes. I also no, want to say, while while we're on the yeah, the, the Mikey's, or uh, Courtney's dad uh, situation, this final scene where Pat catches up with Sam, um, and Sam's a jerk about Barbara, and he just knocks him out, is truly the most, the biggest Pat moment of the season. I think. Yeah. What is, uh, I wrote down his line. You're uh, lucky I'm busy, which is a, yeah. the most badass, just truly <laughs> great line. It was great. I, this plot line, I'm glad this is wrapped up. It's certainly a good motivator for Courtney to be like, no, I am just the hero I, I need to be. It definitely opens up the mystery of the cosmic staff as well, where they give the excuse of, Courtney was chosen by the cosmic staff because she's heroic, that the cosmic staff could sense that it didn't have to anything to do with her lineage, with her family line, anything like that. But uh, there's got to be more there. Like there's more to the cosmic staff, what it is, what its motivation is, how it was created, why it hooked into Courtney that I think we don't need to get this season, but potentially will get going forward. Yeah, I think that's a good mystery to carry, like you're saying, to carry over into next season, maybe. And it'd be a great thing to tease for a second here um, at the end of as the season's coming to a close, because I think we speculated a little bit last week that maybe it's Starman's spirit is in there somehow or there is like a, a human presence in it. Or, I mean, in the Starman comics, Starman has to go into space um, to save uh, a former Starman. Um, Maybe there's something to – it's going to lead her on another mission that going to space would be exciting, but probably expensive, so maybe not. But uh, (laughs) I guess we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Back to the main plot. Uh, We get to see – like we talked about, there's a little bit of discussion between – with Mike where he's like – he wants to know Pat and Barbara are breaking up. He wants to know what he did wrong, which was a very sad line just to hear from any kid. Um, and at which point we we get these little blips of Justin throughout the episode. Uh, we could probably follow that plot line as well. So Justin sees yes. he's the man in the hood in the mirror. He says, I will find my mind. I will find my steed. Um He sees a very ridiculous pit stop ad with a large head Luke Wilson. This is just like a goofy Luke Wilson episode, which is very fun. Well, they had to balance out him having his most epic win by punching Sam and giving like an action movie line with him being like straight goofing uh, for the rest of the time. Yeah. 
so yeah, uh, though Justin grabs the sword. He goes to the pit stop. Rick and Beth are there. Uh, Yolanda wanted to go to church before school. Um, I like. I, I like her having Yolanda having these religious overtones to her character. It separates her from the other characters and certainly helps round out her character a little bit, um, which I thought was nice. It's just a nice little detail for why she wasn't there this episode. And also that she went there to uh, pray for Henry. So it feels like she is his apologizing to her. She's forgiven him and is sort of like finding some peace with that as well, which I thought was cool. Yeah, and we get this little thing where Justin is hallucinating. He sees the three of them as the Dragon King and their drones, which is pretty funny. The bad yeah. body language they're using was kind of fun. This whole scene was funny. Like, uh, Beth is there, and uh, Shining Knight, Sir Justin, walks in, and she's like, ha, oh, that's our janitor. Like, such a, like, plucky young sidekick move on her part, which is really fun. Uh, yeah, so... Pat, uh, so at that point, he does get his mind back, though. Uh, Pat recognizes him. He breaks through the fugue state. Um, and uh, ultimately, they bring Justin back. He looks at the seven soldiers picture. He tells the story, two stories, actually, one that is sort of Excalibur uh, and that King Arthur himself gave it to him. He was just a page boy. Uh, I don't know if that's the word, uh, but he <laughs> got the got the sword from him. Uh, then he tells another story, which is he followed Dragon King to Blue Valley. He was captured, stole his memory. Uh, there's a nice line where he looks at Stripe, the robot, and says, "You have built a fine uh, piece of armor." Or I wrote "group of armor," but I think that's wrong. Um, <laughs> And ultimately, he goes back to their house, so that's like kind of the end until he sees the cosmic staff at the end and really starts to get his memory back, uh, which is great. So I feel like he's going to join the final battle, if anything. I think so, yeah. And I hope he finds his steed. I think maybe that'll yeah. be a fun entrance for him. But I think there's a larger question at play here, um, which is who is cleaning the school? Mm, Alex. That, that is a very good question. Um, I hope next episode we get back to the school and it's trashed just like everywhere <laughs> because they do not have their 24 hour janitor working hard. Exactly. He was working as we established double shifts day and night to clean this disgusting school barf everywhere. He's throwing sawdust on puke, uh, and it's just going to fall to pieces. Or maybe there's going to be another janitor there that will eventually become a different superhero like cyborg. Mm hmm. Yeah, he's going to come over from Doom Patrol. I'm very excited about that. Man, that would... By the way, I don't know if you guys listen to this or watching Doom Patrol. That is a great show as well. Another great DC show on DC Universe, also HBO Max. Definitely check it out. That would be great fodder for a podcast if somebody wanted to do that. Um, oh, interesting. Maybe maybe someday. That'd be a, that's a dream. Something to put on the vision board for 2024. Boop, I'll put it up with the pin right now. Uh, so that's actually like most of the hero stuff. We can talk about the stuff with Courtney at the end in a second. But let's go back and talk about the brainwave Jordan things that go on. Yeah. Um, a lot of this is conversations, right? It's like brainwave, like you were saying, revealing that he is more evil than Jordan. He is the one who's like, yes, we got to kill Courtney. We got to kill Pat. I'm going to kill them. And Jordan's like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Don't kill them. Brainwave reads his mind, finds out, oh, you're kind of sweet on Barbara a little bit. 
and that's why you don't want to do it. I can change her mind. I can make her like you. Uh, and despite despite Jordan finding out she's been looking up Starman, she clearly knows about him. He still seems very reticent, even when he gives the order at the end to kill all of them, including the little boy, because they don't want a legacy, which I thought was a fun, very Jeff Johns line put in there. Um, he still yeah. seems very hesitant about it. Yeah, I agree. And I think it, I think it, you hit the point earlier where he's like, oh yeah, when brainwave messes with people's heads, it's bad. And he's like, there's a huge flaw in our plan in that they think they're going to perfect America or whatever, but they're just going to mess everybody up and make everyone crazy. Um, So I think he's hesitant, but he is going along with it because he, I I don't know, maybe he sees that there's no chance for him, he and Barbara, or it's just not enough for him. He can't back out. The thing of the end where they're like, yeah, and they have a son too, Mike, what do you think? And they're like kill him or whatever. I was like <laughs> setting up some crazy confrontation between Mikey and Icicle. <laughs> I hope Mikey uses the chocolate volcano to take him down. That would be incredible. I uh, guess so technically it would kill Mikey if they just like discontinued Pop-Tarts. So like maybe there's maybe this isn't a physical death, death but more yes. of an emotional death. Spiritual death. He goes on a he goes on a walk about try to find himself what do I do if I don't have cookies and cream pop tarts? <laughs> yeah. uh, I do like just to get back to what you were saying towards the beginning of the podcast, though, about uh, brainwave becoming the big bad. If that is how it pans out, and that does seem how it's going to pan out in these final two episodes here, that gives a really nice, impressive structure to the season because we had yeah. brainwave as the villain in the first two episodes to have him as the big bad of the last two episodes is great. And uh, it's not what you expect, given the way that the plot goes. But that is that I'm always a big fan of a season of television that tells a complete story. And it seems like, I mean, we'll see what happens in these final two hours, but it seems like they put a lot of thought into not just the individual episode structure, but the season structure as well. Yeah, I agree. And um that, uh, we've said throughout this whole series so far that they've done such a great job of making the villains truly evil and up to things that are unimaginable. Like the amount of – like we talk about – for some reason we talk about Joey Zarek so much on this podcast <laughs> for a, a one-off uh, character that is just did one magic trick. We have a two magic trick minimum um, usually when we talk about mm-hmm. characters. Um But like that killing him – like all of these moments I think came out of nowhere and – left a real mark on everything. And and so, like, to have Brainwave supplant Icicle as a villain, it also leaves mm-hmm. Icicle open to maybe come back next season. Because mm-hmm. I feel like Brainwave may, will probably die, um, but Icicle may, like, sort of recant or back out of the plan a little bit, and we'll get to see him again down the line. Well, particularly because what we have seen Icicle doing, other than, of course, killing Starman, which is pretty bad 10 years earlier. Everything that he's done during the series has been tracking down the men who poisoned his wife to death and gave her cancer. And that's it. Like he, he hasn't, Oh, I guess he killed Joey Zarek as well. So that is bad. Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, but I do think you're right. I think like we might see a turn by icicle by the end where he's the one that stops brainwave or destroys the machine or something like that. Um, Yeah. 
So I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, just to run through a couple of random things that we didn't talk about yet in the episode. One weird shot after Sam pulls tries to pull a scam on Courtney and she says, sure thing, Sam, and he leaves. We get this shot of a leaf falling. What, yes. what was up with that? What was going on with that? I don't know. It was a weird shot. It was like from above. And uh, I think maybe it was just like a contemplative moment where it's like, like Courtney grew up in this moment kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It felt like something to just signal like a change has happened here, I guess. Or maybe it's like fall. It's coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just letting us know about the change of the seasons, which is always important for any TV show. Yeah, uh, We didn't really touch on Courtney's arc other than with Sam, actually. Uh, we get a little bit of her going and sitting down with the JSA at school and telling them that she is nobody. And I like how they immediately, no delay, shoot back. Well, we're not legacies. What are you talking about? This is, this is, you're the same as us. That's fine. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and we should say the staff doesn't work for her. Right. A moment before this. So that's why she's like, I don't have any powers. I have nothing to contribute. And they're like, yo, we barely know what we're doing. <laughs> so you're like, we need you. You can do flips. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was nice. And I also like that this is followed up with all four of them sitting together at the memorial for Henry, um, which even though Courtney is giving up, they're still friends and they're still kids and they're still going to sit together at school, which seems like such a silly little detail. But I liked sitting them sitting there in the auditorium together. We also get this great, terrifying moment where uh, Brainwave comes up to give the speech at the memorial. Uh, Courtney is horrified. The rest of them are horrified. And with his brain in the middle of the memorial, he thinks at her, no one is to blame except you. Uh, yeah. Which is, he he's just like, he's going for her. Well, and I like, he's like, oh, if Icicle is telling me I can't kill um, this family and Stargirl, I'm going to uh, provoke her to come at me, which will allow me to kill her. Like, I thought it was mm-hmm. a great way. He j- is still trying to achieve his personal goal of revenge here. Uh, just for the fact that she fucked him up earlier in the season <laughs> that he like just <laughs> remembered and made, I don't know. like, he, may, he doesn't seem to be remorseful about killing Henry at all, but I've got to think there's something in there just from uh, a sociopathic standpoint that he wanted someone to to have his powers alongside him or to like continue his legacy. Well, I think what he says there is very much vision logic, uh, vision, villain logic that it's Courtney's fault. It's not his fault. Even though he brought rocks down at his son and literally killed his son, it's Courtney's fault because she put him in that position. That's how he thinks about it. Um, so I think he is, Blaming her, but ultimately because he is an insane maniac supervillain, the fact that he got powered up by killing his son is a pretty cool bonus. It's a, it's a nice thing. Yeah, he does seem ha- genuinely happy about becoming more powerful as a result of killing his child. Yes, horrifying. Uh, and then the last little bit is Courtney goes down to the basement, tries to pick up the staff. It doesn't do anything. Pat tries to give her the hero speech. 
and says, listen, it chose you because it believed in you, not because of anything in your genetics. He goes upstairs to talk to Barbara, and she immediately comes up and says, I need you with me, both of you. And her parents stand behind her. And I loved how much time they spent on the yeah. scene. Like, they just they sat with it. You saw the wind blowing a little bit through everybody's hair until the staff started glowing. Classic basement wind. Which mm-hmm. you get a lot if you leave yeah, a there's a draft of there. There's a draft. It's a drafty house. It's a mm-hmm. drafty Nebraska house. Yes, uh, Nebraska, 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 Alaska, Nebraska, Alaska, and uh, also kind of dangerous for the basement. The lights start exploding because of the cosmic staff all over the place. That is going to cause a fire in that yeah. musty basement with all of that JSA stuff that Pat has hiding in there. So that's bad. So yeah. this is we're in a bad situation at the end of the episode where the basement is going to be on fire. And they're all going to die. Except for Mikey, who will live on and become the legacy that the ISA worries that he will be. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, I'm a superhero who fights against basement fires. That's what I took away from this, right? <laughs> and Well, and technically, he'd be a legacy from Stripesy. So Mike would become a junior Stripesy. And are they really worried about a, a sidekick, sidekick, sidekick junior? It's me, Mikesy. <laughs> Just try to not stop me from eating that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he could become Batter Eater Lad, I guess. Uh, and So that's where we end the episode that's with Courtney. Cool. And the last little bit is in the ISA headquarters after they decide to kill the Whitmore Dugan family. We find out there are just under 13 hours until it all goes down. We got that ticking clock. Doesn't seem totally necessary that they need to have a ticking clock. They could just stick Brainwave into the machine if it's all ready and just do it. But I don't know. I, I'm not a supervillain. Yeah, well, they're big on scheduling. I mean, Icicle is like he's from uh, Northern Europe, very, you know, the Nordic mm-hmm. countries are very timely. So I think he's like, let's lock this in. We'll circle back and um, meet in the conference room for the big um, the big meeting, uh, PowerPoint slides, you know, business I got stuff. Some, uh, I got some brioche uh, breakfast buds, just a platter yes. of them. There's a yeah, fruit platter. Exactly. Nobody's going to eat the melon. But, you know, you got to order it. Disgusting, but melon, yeah, melon's like just the—it's like the speed bump before you get to the pineapple. <laughs> yes. You know, it fills out the platter. It's a cheap thing to put in there because you can't do it all pineapple. Then that's mm-hmm. what is this like a Polynesian uh, platter? Uh, my my time as an edible arranger really left an indelible mark on my. Uh, what did you? You worked in indelible arrangements, right? Yeah, I was <laughs> indelible, which was like edible, but like you less you couldn't eat them. We covered our, we covered real fruit in wax, which was <laughs> bad because it rotted yeah. very quickly. And yeah, sorry to hear your uh, business closed out. No, it's it's a shame. We'll bring it back. If anyone uh, wants an uh, indelible arrangement, please uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'll be happy to send you bad fruit wrapped in wax. It will go bad before it gets to your house. I'll take two. So before we wrap yeah. up here, who was the star of this week's episode, Justin? Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't, we should say, though, um, did we say the line, Our Queen Has Risen, that Shining Knight says right at the end, um, oh, which yeah. I thought was, uh, that was a cool way to put her back at the center of the story as well, and truly the leader of this, uh, all of these heroes, uh, no matter what happens next episode. Yeah, which is great. Um, um, but to choose my star for the episode, I mean, 
I it's gotta go to Stripesy. I feel really? like I'm, I'm channeling Pete vibes here. But he he gets to be Pat, the normal goofy dad Pat the whole time. But then he truly not he knocks out Sam for being a jerk. He brings his family back together and has the You're Lucky I'm Busy, which is legit a fantastic badass superhero line. And the fact that we got Pat Luke Wilson to deliver it. Like the angel in the sky that Sir Justin imagines. <laughs> he, he nailed it. Man, uh, I would probably pick him too, but just to say somebody different, I'm going to say Barbara. Uh, I know it's kind of a little thing, and she's sort of in the background a little bit here, but I like that. I just love that she is finally part of the action. They were. Misusing is probably too strong, but definitely underusing Amy Smart in the first half or three quarters of this season so that she can finally be part of the action, that she's being proactive, that she's being a partner with Pat, a business partner, I might say, uh, mm. is great. Uh, and I, I, I like that there's not like a weird jealousy with Pat because he's getting more time with Courtney or anything like that. Like she's being understanding. She's being smart. They're allowing her to play at the top of her intelligence. And I'm excited to see how she plays into the action going forward. Yeah. I think uh, Alex, that's a smart pick and Amy smart pick. Ah, nice. If you'd like to support our podcast, (laughs) patreon.com slash comic book club. Also do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out and chat about Stargirl with us. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Socially, Star Guys Pod, I think. Star Guys Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. For the Star Guys and for Mikey. We're sided off. For always, always for Mikey. You're lucky I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs>